And now, it's 10 a.m. Let's just get down to it. And it's time for your sports fix. Strap yourselves in, folks. From two guys who have covered the teams you're passionate about for years. We are professionals. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Jake Scott and Ben Anderson, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Why do we have the most morbid conversations ever before we jump on the air? Is, is that going to turn into a thing? Yesterday, yeah. Yesterday, we're talking about estate planning. Today, we're diving into the missteps of Alec Baldwin. The many, and now the worst and a horrible story. Horrible Jeez, story. Please. I saw oh that last gosh. night. It was like, oh my gosh, what a terrible story. Uh, so yeah, that's that's what we're going to do. That's all right. We'll, we'll spin it around. It's okay. We, we're going to go into shows with a weird vibe. Yeah. It's all right. But it's a Friday. Friday shows are fun. Not Alec Baldwin. That's horrible. But Friday shows are fun because we've got great football this weekend. Of course, the Jazz are back in action tonight on the road at Sacramento. Uh, so it should be a fun one. James Taylor's in town. James Taylor. Band of the day. James Taylor. Yeah. Got to go with James Taylor. little JT. Yeah, it's a good day. Fridays are a good day. Yeah. One foot out the door Friday, as I used to say. <laughs> Just mailing it in. I think this is what I did once I turned, you know, 35 and had kids. One, one foot in the grave. Well, there it goes. All right. Let's let's uh, let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. We're going to get started with uh, with a little insight. I like it. Going to get the show started in the right way. He makes the magic happen for ESPN 1320. He's uh, in uh, Sacramento. He's James Ham with us on, uh, on Jake and Ben on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What's going on, James? How are you? Uh, I'm good. I just can't believe he's 35 and just had kids. Oh no! I've got a nine-year-old. No, I've got. I, I've been in. I've had a foot in the grave for a long time. Yeah. I'm the one. I'm the one who's forty with a with a six-month-old. Uh, so I'm going oh, down. I'm, I'm getting started a little late. That's what I'm doing. I I have an eighteen-year-old now, so it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Wow! It, it goes fast. Empty nester. Uh, no, I have a 14-year-old as well. Oh, you can yep. kick them out. 14's <laughs> old enough to be on their own. <laughs> Good enough. Hey, James, uh, That's right. impressive win to start the season for the Kings, and, and they actually look pretty good against the, the Portland Trailblazers. So what did that, you know, moment, does that feel like serious momentum for this team, or, or what's the expectation, I guess, going into this year? Yeah, you know what, they, they went 4-0 in preseason, and I think a lot of people, you could just see the style of play was better than it was last year. The defense was better, sort of the the force they were playing with was better. And so when we got to the first game, you know, they came out and punched Portland in the face really early in the game and had an 18-point lead at one point. Um, you know, they're, they're still a team that's trying to get it together that, you know, has a lot of new moving pieces. Um, so they let it slip late and almost gave one away. Uh, but I, I think that there's just a new vibe in Sacramento. They're, the team is it's really deep. And it's got a lot of talent, and it's deep in a different way than it has been in the past, where now you got five or six guys that can drop 25 or 30 at any given night. Um, and that's a good thing to have. That's, that's uh, you know, they're versatile. And I think that there's higher expectations than normal. I think if 500 season is, is there for the taking, but I also think this team could fight for a play-in or, or maybe even a back-end playoff spot. So, James, take us through this Marvin Bagley saga. When his uh, agent released that statement the other day, that really jumped out at me because you just never see that happen. So tell us what's going on with him and, I guess, what what the end game is. Yeah, I mean, at this point, he's basically been put on ice. Um, there's a possibility that he could play even tonight if, uh, if Mo Harkless can't go. 
But I think Luke Walton and, and the front office has come, kind of come to the determination that, look, you know, he wanted out this summer. He asked for a trade. And at this point, you know, what do you do? If someone doesn't really want to be there and then you can't find a taker for his services, that makes sense to you. And that means you're not the Kings aren't going to trade Marvin Bagley and take on a, ba- a bad contract. And he's owed $11.8 million this year. Um, but he also has a qualifying offer of $14.8 million for next season. If he starts fewer than, I think it's 40 games a season, then that qualifying offer drops all the way down to $7.2 million. And that, I think that's a good thing for everybody involved. It, it makes Marvin a lot more marketable on the open market. Um, they can move him at the deadline as not just an expiring contract, but maybe a young player with promise that could step up and be something somewhere else. Uh, who has a budget qualifying offer, but just as he is right now, a $14.8 million qualifying offer, no one is going to pay that. And so Marvin's kind of stuck in in, uh, a weird position. He doesn't really fit the team. They're going to go with a lot of three-guard sets, and they need a versatile four that can defend all kinds of different players who can stretch the floor, uh, who doesn't call for the ball, who's not, you know, a back-to-the-basket guy. And that's just not who Marvin is. And then at the five, they've got three a three-headed monster with Holmes and Tristan Thompson and Alex Len. All of them give them rebounding and defensive uh, presence that Marvin just doesn't have. And so I think he's just in a holding pattern until the Kings find a deal that makes sense for everybody involved. James, looking at this this Kings team, they're kind of in a weird spot. And I'll tell you this from an outsider perspective, and I'm sure it's no secret to you. You know, we look at them as kind of historically over the last decade and a half as one of the the you know, most poorly functioning uh, franchises in the NBA, whether it's ownership or the trade of ownership or the Maloofs or uh, all the issues that they've had. But now recently, despite their struggles, they've kind of drafted incredibly well between Tyrese Halliburton, uh, I think everyone really likes, Davion Mitchell, who we know was a, was a teammate of, of Jazz rookie Jared Butler at Baylor. A- a- obviously, Darren Fox, they've hit a home run by drafting him. It feels like it actually is starting to head in the right direction, even though Sacramento still has this kind of negative reputation around the league. Does it feel like things are changing, covering the team inside? Yeah, I think so. This is my 12th season covering the team, and I've covered some really bad, bad teams. I I did my win percentage the other day. I think my (laughs) win percentage is like 34.7, like .347. It's it's not good. Um, I've never covered a 500 team. I've never covered a playoff team. Um, I've covered plenty of seasons where I wrote more than 50 losing game recaps. Um, It's kind of been this perpetual take one step forward, take two steps back thing that they've had. And, you know, some really near misses. If Dave Yeager would have come back for another season where the Kings have made the playoffs, you know, and they got all the way up to 39 wins, that's a possibility. You know, if the Kings would have drafted Luka Doncic, would they have been in a better position today? Yes, they would have been in a better position um, so I, I just think it's uh, a lot of near misses. But at this point, it's not just that they have talent. It's that they have talent that wants to be in Sacramento. They have talent that is growing together. They have a really good young core that's all around the same age. Uh, and then they have some really solid veterans. And you guys will see it tonight. Harrison Barnes, over the last two years, he's just taken a huge step. Um, and he's you know entering his 10th season, and he's aging like a fine wine. And uh, it's really remarkable to watch. But, you know, in the opener, he had eight threes and put up a career-high 36 points. But that's what we saw from preseason. Um, he just seems to have settled into who he is, and 
he's adding that extra little flavor that this team needed. So, yeah, I, I think they have drafted well outside of, you know, I, I, and again, it's not that I think Marvin Bagley's a bad player, um, but I just, you know, I, I'm not going to argue that Luka Doncic and uh, Trey, Trey Young are better players. Um, you know, they made that mistake, but the rest of it feels like they're building towards something, and, and it's kind of exciting to see. We followed Nimi Keita for a long time. He's a two-way player with the Kings now. How did he do in camp in uh, preseason? You know, he didn't get to play a ton in uh, in preseason. And, you know, he's not going to get to play a ton this season just because the Kings not only have the three-headed monster, but they also have Damian Jones at the five. Um, so just really, really crowded up front. Um, I'll, I'll say this. Like, when you look at players and you watch what they do on the court, you watch how they move, um, he really, really needs a professional uh, training staff working with him for an entire season. And I think it will really help. Um, just his body mechanics and everything else. Outside of that, I think there's a ton to like. Um, I've watched him shoot threes from the corner in, in their pickup games after practice, uh, which I did not know he could do. He's a really good passer. They're running a lot of uh, like double screens with him and a lot of motion two-man game with him um, where he's just such a huge, huge man. And so I don't think it'll be this year. I think even next year he's going to have some difficulty getting on the court. Um, but I, I do think that he's got, like, the makings of an NBA player. He just needs, you know, when you're playing against the best athletes in the world and, w- and the NBA players are the best athletes in the world, without any question in my mind, um, you just have to – your body has to be right in order to make those those quick uh, snap moves that, that you have to make. And so I think we're going to see him – um, bounce back and forth, you know. G League, you can be up for the uh, two-way players can be up with the team for up to 50 games this year, and they don't count practice time and stuff like that. So there's more opportunity, but a lot of things have to go wrong for him to step on an NBA court. And to be honest with you, I think the best thing that could happen for him is that he spends the entire year in the G League working with Bobby Jackson and a very talented uh, Stockton Kings team, and really gets just more game time and more time in the gym. Not many people get better the better of Rudy Gobert, who's uh, clearly one of the best centers in the NBA, but one guy who has given him trouble, especially last season, is Rashawn Holmes, who you know we saw here at the Salt Lake City Summer League a few years ago just absolutely run up and down the floor and blow everyone out of the water. Uh, he might be the most underrated big man in the NBA right now. What have you seen from him? He had a great debut. Yeah, uh, that's who he is. I mean, he's so underrated. And uh, I, I think what we saw in camp and, and through preseason was maybe someone who... Uh, wasn't super happy about the contract that he got during the offseason. And, uh, and I think he's moved past that now. Now it's time to play basketball. Um, you know, he surprisingly got less money than a lot of bigs out on the open market. And he wanted to come back to Sacramento, but all they had was uh, the early bird to offer him. And so he ended up signing, you know, I think it's right around $46, 47000000 million over four years, which is just such a busted contract for him when you look at guys like Jared Allen or even Robert Williams, what they got. Um, he's so incredibly efficient. That's what you're going to see. The, the push shot is efficient. He actually hit a crazy three-pointer in the last game. Um, I think he shot 9 of 10 from the field for 21 points. He had a double-double over 10 rebounds. Um, he's just a really, really hard worker uh, that somehow him and Luke Walton found each other uh, in that first season. And, um, you know, Luke put his faith in Rashawn five games into the season and benched Dwayne Dedman, and Rashawn has done nothing but reward Luke for that uh, sort of the faith he put into him. And so it, that's 
one of the better stories that you can see around the league where a guy who bounces around and then all of a sudden he just becomes really, really good. I mean, second in the league in field goal percentage. And he does. He gives uh, he gives Gobert fits. And then the Kings have a big guy in Tristan Thompson that will push Gobert around. And then if that doesn't work, they'll throw Alex Len out there and, and get tough on him. And so, yeah, a lot of different looks. But Rashawn is, is really uh, coming to his own as an NBA player. So James, this is just a personal curiosity question, but you're a radio guy, and and you talk, you develop a kind of a unique relationship with fans because you find out what hot button issues are. And uh, uh, here in Utah, forever, a hot button issue has been that the Jazz drafted Raul Lopez <laughs> instead of Tony Parker. Yes, I know this happened a hundred years ago, but people still care about it. Well, the Jazz could have had Tony Parker. They picked Raul Lopez because Larry Miller at the time preferred to leave him over in Europe yep. for salary reasons and he ended up getting hurt and blah 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 but still to this day people have an opinion on that if you look at the players that the kings have passed on in the draft it's like the all nba team i mean it's like steph curry and Giannis and Kawhi and all this stuff and i'm just curious how does the fan base handle that because i think it would kill most fans around here based on how they still feel about that one draft how do kings fans feel about that? and is there one that got away yeah the absolute one okay well see well, that's the problem. I mean, you guys have the, the one that got away. The Kings have like the 14 that got away. So I think fans, uh, you're just, you're beat down by the, the sheer volume of it. So, you know, like the night before uh, the Kings went into a draft one year, I was told they were drafting Damian Lillard. Um, of course, uh, Robinson dropped to number five and they took him instead because they weren't sure if they were going to have a power forward with Jason Thompson as an impending free agent. So they passed on Damian Lillard at literally at the last second. Uh, the next year they had CJ McCollum in for uh, three visits, including one on the Monday before the draft. Uh, he will tell you to this day that he thought he was going to be a Sacramento King. Uh, but once again, Ben McLemore fell in the draft and they went with what who fell and not who they really should have taken. Um, you know, you can go to the Jimmer draft uh, where they they traded Jimmer's, uh, for Jimmer's draft rights and slid back. But again, you know, Clay Thompson was right there. Uh, Kawhi Leonard was right there. You know, they, they've missed so many times. But I'll say this over the last four drafts, five drafts, because they didn't have a pick in 2019. Um, they haven't missed except for the, the Bagley pick. Uh, the Fox pick is, I mean, it's going to go down. He's one of the top three or four players in that draft. Um, and, and then, you know, Halliburton is a surprise of last season's draft. And I think Davion Mitchell is going to be in the NBA for 10 or 12 years, wreaking havoc on people. Um, and, you know, so I think they've done a good thing. I will tell you this, though, and you guys have Donovan Mitchell there. Uh, he might be the one that got away, if you really think about the modern Kings, with the Kings in 2021. Um, the Kings had the 10th pick in that draft. They traded it for number 15 and number 20, where they took – uh, Justin Jackson and Harry Giles, who are both now out of the NBA uh, just a couple of years later, instead of uh, Donovan. So they drafted Fox. They could have had a backcourt of Fox and Mitchell. And again, just all of these near misses. Wow, that would be that would be pretty incredible, I mean, actually, to think about it. I mean, that would be... Fox and Luca would have been... Would have been something too. <laughs> something. Yeah, Trey right. Young would have been all right as yeah, well. Yeah, right. Well, hey James, thank you, uh, thank you for jumping on with us. Enjoy the game tonight. We really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, James. James Ham. 
covers uh, the Kings for ESPN 1320, which we joked about before the show. It's really easy to remember. I didn't even have to write that down. Uh, James is great. Uh, Kings are uh, Kings might be good this year. Kings might be a little bit better. I mean, they're, they're, there's always the Kings thing where they're pretty good, and you know they have a stretch every year where you know over 20 games it seems like they go 14 and six, and you think, hey, they're making a real push, and they're sitting at the ninth seed, and they're a game and a half back, and then by the end of the year they're six games back. And I, I don't think Portland makes the playoffs this year. I, I think you know I just don't think they have the horses, and, and as good as Dame is, and as good as CJ is, and, and some of the moves that they've made, I just don't think they really have the pieces. And I think the the belief in how that team works is is running thin. I'm not sure I believe in Chauncey Billups, but uh, maybe that's the spot that the Kings can sneak up and grab. But man, the West is tough. Memphis is really good. Memphis can be really good. See, that's this the year. thing. I, I think the Kings may be better this year, but they're still far back in line. Right. I mean, they I mean, the didn't... Warriors didn't make the playoffs last season. Right. And they looked great over the last two games. I mean, Steph last night had 25 points on 9 of 9 shooting in the first quarter. Is that so, good? Is that, it's decent. Is that good? Three players have done it. It's happened three times in the league. Steph has done it twice, and the only other guy who's done it is Clay Thompson, who's going to be back in the lineup coming up in the next week or who's two. He's on so. the same team. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of players the Kings could have had, and Steph of, Curry. And great draft. Oh, and Clay Thompson. They picked and... Jimmer right before Clay. Here's the run. Oh. Can I say, and I don't want to bang on Jimmer. Jimmer was an incredible college player. Jimmer went 10th to Milwaukee and they traded for him. The next pick was Clay. The next pick after that was Alec Burks, which was not great, but Alec Burks is actually still he's, in the league and just signed playing. a new contract with yep. the Knicks. The next piece was Markeith Morris, who has a title. Marcus Morris, who's still a very good player in the NBA. And then 15, of course, everyone remembers, is Kawhi Leonard. And number 16 is Nikola Vucevic, who's also oh. an all star. <laughs> So it's tough, but it's not a science. It's not an exact science. I just i I never thought Jimmer was going to be a, a good pro. Not no. to to revisit why it sure. just his his game this, wasn't this was is, never going to translate. But of course, it was the Kings that traded for him because he did have all the panache correct. and the scoring and the correct. shooting and all this stuff. I mean, of course, it's the Kings and, and that you know traded they, for. Him. They were a bozo team that had Boogie Cousins as their guy, and right. they wanted to bring in somebody like Jimmer who was going to be no frills, you know, other than on the floor. Jimmer's not going to, you know rustle up any trouble in Sacramento. I don't know if you can actually do that. That draft was crazy. All the players I just mentioned. And then Tobias Harris went number 19. Kenneth Fareed went 22. Nikola Miritich, who, you know, other than getting his face blown up by uh, Bobby Portis, was actually a really good NBA player, went 23. Looking at the players, you know what 30 in that draft was Jimmy Butler. Wow. Like, that draft was insane in the second half. And they blew it at the top. I mean, Kyrie's fine, but Derek Williams is nobody. Ennis Cantor is a role player. Tristan Thompson's a role player. Jonas Valanciunas is good, but, you know, a role player. Jan Vesely's gone. Bismack Biombo's barely hanging on. Brandon Knight's a nobody. Right. And those are top seven picks. I mean, that was a That's backwards amazing. draft. I'll tell you this. Where uh, You know, we're starting a new show, you know, feeling out where we are on topics. Are you a Jimmy Butler guy? Because I'm all in on Jimmy Butler. He, he gets more undeserved hate than any other player in the NBA. And they looked great last night. Miami looked great last night. Oh, that... Jimmy's a winner, you know, but I think that's might be what the Jazz have in Jared Butler as well. But Jimmy's a worker. I mean, yeah. his, his teammates' complaints about him are all about like he tries he, too hard. He, he tries a lot and demands a lot out of us. So yeah. you know, geez, can't work with that guy. I mean, what? Everywhere he's gone, they've been good. I know Minnesota wasn't great, but that was the best Minnesota team they've had in a while. He wants to play both sides of the floor. Yeah, he does. I mean, shame on him. Yeah. Jeez. No, Jimmy Butler's incredible, and yeah, and, he's a he's a he's probably hard to be around. 
but you know he wins where he goes. But he goes. That's why that Miami fit was so perfect for him. Right. Not to dwell on Jimmy Butler, but he goes to a, a, a young team where they actually need somebody who's going to come in and demand that sort of yep. thing and set a tone and all that. And uh, you know, I don't you know if you remember his walk off interview where he's barking at his teammate like, "This is my time," you know, like, and he got buried for it. And it's like, no, he's he's showing these guys how to be a professional and how yep. to win at a high level and what you got to do and work and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, Miami's going to the finals, and it's like we shouldn't be surprised by this. Jimmy Butler's right. really good. And now it, Kyle Lowry, who's also kind of a he's a worker and kind of a tone setter and yep. that type of dude. I, I think I think Miami's gonna be good. Yep. PJ Tucker's crazy too, in a good way. You know, PJ Tucker yep. goes and wins places, so so that's gonna be and a really good team. is a great Miami. coach. He is. Well, and then even better, they've got the best, maybe the best front office person in, in basketball history, and that's uh, Pat Riley. Right. Well, Spolstra is the only great coach, I think, that LeBron has played for. Correct. Yeah, I'll buy that. I mean, there's, uh, you know, I don't know if David Blatt had much of a bite at the apple. I don't think Ty Lue is a particularly good coach, just my opinion. Uh, and uh, uh, Vogel, or, uh, Vogel, right? Yep. Uh, Vogel there in L.A. I don't know why I had a brain fart for a second. I think he's a good coach, not a great coach. Right, I'm with you. I think, I mean, Spo is pretty universally regarded as a top three coach right now in the NBA, and that's going to be a really good team again. They should be, the East is fun. The East is going to be fun to watch this year. For once. For once. Yeah. For once. It's been a little while. Uh, yeah, like 30 years. <laughs> a little while. It was great to have LeBron come west, actually, because it chased all the talent east. That was actually kind of a cool part of LeBron going to the Lakers. It's like, oh, yeah, no one wants to be in the west anymore, so send Kevin Durant and James Harden to the east. But the west is still brutal somehow. Yeah, it's brutal. I mean, it's not top-heavy like it was, though. Right. Which I like better, personally, as as an NBA fan. All right. Uh, That was a good way to start the show. Jazz Kings tonight. I think Jazz should go 2-0. But the Kings are... They did play well against Portland. Yep. I like Buddy Heald. There's a player I was totally wrong about. I didn't think he would be a great pro. You know, bragging about my my Jimmer acumen. I didn't think Buddy Heald would be great. He's great. Oklahoma kids are interesting. They mm-hmm. they don't look like they're going to be great, and they come in. Trey's just brilliant. Trey is incredible. Like, Blake's been... You know, he should be a Hall of Famer. So Was uh, was that Kruger who had Heald and... Uh, I think so. Yeah, he produced... He produced a lot of great pros over yeah. his career. All right. Anyway, uh, we'll get to more jazz throughout the show. Uh, we've got a question of the day to throw out there. We will get to uh, that coming up. Don't forget at uh, 1130, we've got our top three stories at kslsports.com. I'm sure we'll find some shenanigans along the way. Stay tuned. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.